everybody, it's Monday, April 22nd, 2019, and you're listening to Size Matters, episode 22. Welcome to the Wait. mega madness that is. It's the 22nd episode, and we're on <clears throat> April 22nd. Whoa. That's true. And we totally planned That's that. deep, man. We totally planned that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we planned this out years ago. We are the best. See. That's why we had to have all of those fake half episodes instead of the... Uh, Instead of counting up then, because we would have reached 22 way back. But oh, yeah. Episode to Pi was my for... favorite. Yeah, because, like, so we're so big, we're actually 10th dimensional creatures, and we can see all time timelines for all possible universes. So this just Are lined you sure up. it's not 22nd dimensional? Ooh. We're not supposed to reveal that information. But, That's uh, 12 dimensions more. Look, look, our viewers' minds well, can only comprehend 10th dimension. We can't go any higher, or we're going to start having some, some problems. Lawsuits, maybe. I don't know. Dude. Well, in the 22nd dimension, my name is unpronounceable, but True. in this dimension, I'm Quandu Bashir, and I'm your host. <laughs> mm-hmm. And joining me is... I'm Benny Tiger, and I am a co-host, I guess. And I am <laughs> Kinson Shimobi, co-host of the 22nd dimension and above, I guess. <laughs> and under. Hello. And around, mm-hmm. and to the side, and inside, and All outside. of them, all of the dimensions. Every every preposition you can every think of. Every single one. You're gigantic, and it's springtime, so do you shed in all 22 dimensions? Yes, I do. And actually, the spots, my not- spots actually make different universes. So, fun fact. Oh. See, I live, with, I live with a cat, and yeah, you get hair all over everything. So having a mega chi, it's mm-hmm. like, just might as well have a new carpet over the entire city. Well, it's I don't fine. Know, it's some it's of the fine. sizes he's run around at, that, you know, that hair falls off. It's the size of an I-beam hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's killing also everybody. got about the same weight. Clang. Killing everybody. <laughs> well, yeah. like, like individual a strands thunk. of fur being like, you know, city blocks. Fun stuff. Yeah, you're a walking species ending event, dude. But also a walking species beginning event. Because the whole what? thing with the spots what? and making you. Dude, dude, we're PG. We're PG. Omer. <laughs> Omer. <laughs> no, no, we're, 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 we're marked explicit. I think you should go into this in more depth. Wait, what? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Species beginning event, Kenson? How, how's that? Well, so your guys' uh-huh. minds are in the gutter. I was referring to um, the the whole comment that I made with when my spots fall off due to shedding, they make different universes. Wait, so. do they fall off contiguously? Just like one big clunk, they come off as a spot? No, it's usually like one or two at a time, but, you know, it, it happens regularly. So, it just happens. Was that just... be? Is that just because you don't bathe, so the spots have all this bacteria in them already, and no, when they fall no. off, they're, they're able to, well, like, well, like So, debris aside, um, it is... I keep myself very clean, but, like, the spots just kind of... I don't know. It's been a thing all my life. They just fall off, and then I've, there's, like, different effects that they have. Like, like some make different universes. Some uh, cause people to turn into cheetahs or clones or whatever. It's weird. It's, it's a science uh, I'm still working spots. on. It's, it's it's a very spiritual thing to fall off. Yeah, well, yeah, that's so kind of like dragon scales. So they come back, like it's it's like molting or whatever. But I I don't have an explanation quite yet. Science has not yet found a way to describe me and my existence. So every so often you turn into like a puma. Uh, yeah, one giant <laughs> spot event. I guess it's like the the spot event horizon. You know, I used to joke about that. Uh, Benny stripes were actually rips in his color. He just nice. grew too big. But the, but the trouble with that is, is if you it, it implies that if he keeps growing, you're just going to end up with a solid black tiger. 
True. Which, while cool and filling the night sky is kind of neat, is mm-hmm. still like, well, I'm a panther now. But see, <laughs> what, what would happen is he would rip through, like the black would rip through the orange, and then the orange would start to rip back through the black. Back through the black. And then it would just be well, an endless cycle. Well, that's that's very like Native American spiritual story. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah, totally so not something you should incorporate in Benny's lore. No, totally. lore. Oh my god, <laughs> character lore, yeah, ben, man. Come on, Benny's lore. What are you? I'm a tiger and I'm big. Speaking of lore, <laughs> our topic. You mean Data's uh, Data's fake brother in the Star Trek Next Generation? Oh yeah, where Data got to use robot? other expressions when acting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, but so yeah, Brent. You know, Brent Spiner. I love the guy, but he's he was not a great actor. Yeah, but like the the day I found out he was that, good. Uh, Brent Spiner is both Data and the scientist Wacko from Independence Day. My mind blew wide open. I did not know that. <laughs> like, I don't even remember what it was. It's been so long since I've seen Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, it's it's a it's a extremely good movie. But like, I can't remember the scientist's name that he played. But, oh, yeah. Independence Day is where the Mac virus good. saved the world, right? What was that? It was where the Macintosh virus saved the world. That was Independence Day, right? Absolutely. The virus they created on a Mac? Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> well, anywho, so uh, this episode, this uh, week's episode is dedicated to the idea of uh, macro and micro scenarios in board tabletop games those kind of things we talked about them in video games excellent before, i'm so excited but for this. we've not really broached the subject of um you know the the games that you play that are non-electronic mm-hmm. let's talk about electronic battleships the dice Whoa, are that? also tabletop games oh. dice can be quite a hazard <laughs> uh public service announcement if your D or pathfinder or whatever tabletop game has micros that play keep track of them at all times because dice ah. hurt, they hurt. Well, I mean, and make they, sh- hurt, they hurt our friends. And make sure that when you when you when you put away all of the pieces, that you don't accidentally put the the micros in the plastic mm-hmm. bag. Or if you do, at least put some air holes and in them, because otherwise you're going to have a, a bad experience the next time. The next right, game. unless so they're totally is... unless they're totally wanting to be you know abducted or kidnapped by you, then that's that's great. But so for micros, Warhammer is basically just LARPing battles, essentially. Yeah, because like you know, when you are the size or smaller of the models, then everything becomes the world around you, which is nice. I mean, I do kind of like the idea of it being mixed between like models, like actual figurines, and then micros that are on the mm-hmm. table that are having. And, and sometimes, like maybe a, a strategy might be to be as still as possible to make uh, mm-hmm. make the players think that you're actually a figurine, and then you can. <laughs> While they're not looking, kind of sneak yeah, around and move, yeah. move a space that you're not so, supposed to move. So they spray themselves over like one of those living statue guys and hope that no one Absolutely. notices. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Like, can you just imagine? Okay, so that would take cosplay to a whole new level also. Because, especially if size shifting was involved, because you could make a Warhammer, like a Space Marine cosplay, and then, sh- space yeah, Marine! And then shrink down, <laughs> and then you're having a cosplay on, space and you're Marine. around figurines. Like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> Weird. I've never actually played any of like of the Warhammer t- style games, the tabletop so strategy fun. games. Ugh. Um, where you actually like have to paint your figurines for uh, you know hours and mm-hmm. hours and and do all of that stuff, and then only have about like ten minutes worth of actual. Oh no, game the games work. actually go for hours sometimes. Uh, <laughs> they they are very akin to 
like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder when it comes to time sometimes because especially because um, I play Age of Sigmar, super super fun game, and it's more like the fantasy realms. It's not Warhammer 40k where it's like futuristic and guns and tanks and stuff. It's a uh, um, fantasy, and it's the typical game that I play when it's a thousand point game, um, which essentially a thousand points is how big your army can be. Those go like two hours, two or three hours sometimes. Anything above would just be longer. So, yeah, I think I'm with I'm with Quandra here. I've never actually played it. I just looked at the amount of figurines and times and went into it and went like ah uh, and never got into it. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like from observation that the preparation um, for uh, you know tabletop strategy games like that seems to at least outweigh the actual playing. Well, time. so okay, I'm going to probably hurt a lot of people by saying this next phrase. Ow. I'm so sorry for all of the diehard uh, Warhammer um, and other model games you know out there. Uh, you don't have to paint your models. Ooh, I know. You you have to assemble them obviously, or you can buy them pre-assembled. People can do it for you. But you don't have to paint. That's this, a big, this is sacrilege. It's kind of like you know, it, to be a furry, you don't need a fursuit, kind of kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I I think it's probably more compelling than that. It's like twenty percent of the fandom shows up at cons and fursuits, whereas I'd bet most of the people playing oh, yeah. Warhammer I mean, have painted figurines. It's not a perfect analogy, but you know. Oh yeah. Well, and also there's there's a couple furries in there that really really do good work on Warhammer figurines. Oh yeah, absolutely. The art involved with uh, figurine painting is amazing. Which which just begs the question that uh, in a size shifting world, would micros want to be painted? <laughs> I don't think anyone would want to be painted. Well, no, I think I'd hire the micros to paint the figurines because it's that's a good yeah, idea. for them. It's easy, you know, when you're when you're the size you are and you're holding a figurine and it's like paint the eyebrows. I'm like, you're <laughs> full of crap. Very true. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Benny with like a toothpick sized brush in between two fingernails, just like doing like his best Try. dab on it, and then he just covers the entire face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to paint with a telephone pole. It don't work. And yeah, the, the, the toothpick <laughs> is a telephone pole or a redwood tree, and the models are actually <laughs> the size of, you know, cars and buses, because that's the bigger version. Yeah. Do you, do you think of, in those Warhammer-style strategy games, are there any actual mechanics that involve figurines changing size? I mean, that would be kind of hard to, I think, replicate in, in a... In a game where the figurines play such an important role. I remember in Battletech, which you could do with figurine maps, it made your life the hell easier if you did, uh, the cards or the octagons would mark the size of the characters, mm -hmm. but you just had to imagine it. You know, it's like, oh, it's it's four units tall, so it's gigantic, you know. Absolutely. Okay. So, but they didn't, like, shift size, did they? No. No, I don't think I've seen any... I don't think I've seen any figurine system that's done that. That's That's a neat idea, actually. Absolutely, because like the size, I mean the, the, the base of a model usually is like, you know, half inch base or uh, an inch base, two inches, etc. It kind of sets the size classification, at least in Warhammer, for the model. I mean, someone out there has to be hardcore enough that they've taken a figurine and they've got different sizes of it and painted all of them. And then if the invocation mm -hmm. of whatever happens, they swap to the bigger one. There has to be someone that's done that. Absolutely. And it... And in the fiction of Warhammer, like even like the the standard Space Marines, aren't they? They're kind of like bordering macros. They're already like nine feet tall. Or something oh yeah, they're like tall. Yeah, so so they're, they're people. Yeah. They're regular, you know, human beings. But their suits are, you know, massive. 
So that's what it is. It's something about the Space Marine. I mean, even what was it? Uh, uh, Seamus in the original. Uh, I know we're getting the video games, but the original Metroid. That character was what seven foot. What, in Samus the, in the stats. Yeah. Samus. Yeah. Samus Aaron. Mm-hmm. Samus. Sorry, not Seamus. That's a, that's a very tall woman. She could play in the NBA. Ah, you're giving away the ending. Mm-hmm. Something something born in space. Something something gravity not shrinking a person. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if people are listening to this and they don't already know that Samus is a woman, then they are like 30 years too yeah. late. Well, that's that's true too. Wait, are but, you, you telling know. me that Samus is borderline giantess? Hubba hubba. <laughs> oh yeah, definite Amazon. Whatever Woo! programmer wrote that background was mm-hmm. thinking. They knew exactly but, what they were well, doing. So back to board game rules. Um, or you, well, you don't want to talk about like ah, Rampage and other video board games now. Board game rules. To... We've already done that, Benny. Oh, dang it. I get it, Quan, because board game rolls, you roll dice. I can tell you why it's so hard to edit sprites on Rampage. (laughs) Why is it so hard to edit sprites on Rampage, Benny? Oh, the original Rampage, the background is actually a different graphic resolution than the foreground. It's about the only system that ever did that. So if you try to use a sprite editor to, say, paint yourself into a red panda as you Rampage around on its Rampage, uh, it it don't work. You've got pixels flying everywhere. It's just the pixel format is laid out is very weird, and most pixel editors don't recognize it. But anyway, board games. Anyway. Was there ever a Rampage board game? Oh, I guess cool. the closest thing I can think of to that would probably be King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo, yeah. King of New York. Uh, there's also I Kaiju Crush. I think they made a Rampage board game. Kaiju Crush is probably the closest you'll get to it. I couldn't find it. King of New York, I've played that. Have you guys played that? Yes. I'm not like King of New York. I mean, isn't it just like an alternate play of king of tokyo yeah oh yeah i'm sorry there's a whole series of them king of tokyo is the first one Mm -hmm. yeah king of tokyo was original and then they kind of i don't know if king of new york is considered an expansion or if it's actually just like an alternate so it's it's the same game but just you know different city there's different monsters so it's kind of like a really glorified expansion um but each of them has their own expansions and they can hot swap with any of the games Mm, so see the funnest the funnest thing funnest way to play king of tokyo for me is be at a furry con like MFF 2013 yep. and um, play with a bunch of other macro yep. furs. And instead of using the actual uh, icon, the characters, uh, you put in your badge and then you're just playing. As Absolutely. Your and this oh, is totally awesome. an idea that I wanted to do if we had a uh, room party at MFF. I was hoping that we did because I actually brought along King of Tokyo. I do like, I thought you I do like the mechanics that of that game mm-hmm. where they've, you know, you're the macro, it's a points race. Yeah. And yeah. the city is just going to defeat you eventually. I, I think that's kind of neat. It makes a balanced game. I think it's a well, I it's think not it's the PvP, city yeah. defeating you, it's it's the other characters that are defeating mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Because you don't take any damage from the city. Right. I thought if you were close into the city, you earned points well, faster, but you took damage faster. Well, so you. It's, it's you can't heal. It's, if, oh, if you're yeah. in the city, um, you, you, you can't, like if you roll any hearts, um, or you can't use those to increase your HP. Um, but you're not actually taking damage from the city. You're just taking damage from other uh, monsters that are attacking you. Nice. I mean, I love I just the game. It's, it's just so much fun. It takes like no time to explain. It's an easy start, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. it's just fun. And there's giant pandas. Not red pandas, but pandas. It's a red panda if you put giant, your badge. Giant pandas. Yeah. The uh, the expansion of King of Tokyo, one of them uh, introduced a macro panda, like giant panda, literally. Giant yeah, no, panda. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, love them. Yeah, but you um, know why they don't the have si- the red pandas, right? Why is that? Because they'd always win. That's true. They're just too adorable. You have to let them get what they want. 
No one would no one would attack them. They would all just be like, oh, and then they would stop <laughs> on the entire city. And it's the cutest city went. destruction ever. Yes. So um, there is another game that I actually learned of kind of recently. I was in my local games uh, game store called Epic Loot here in uh, Centerville, Kettering, Ohio, and um, they have this new game or this new game that just recently came out. I guess called Monster Apocalypse. And it is a tabletop figurine game, not just like, you know, you know, Kaiju Crush or King of Tokyo. It actually has figurines like Warhammer and it's a tabletop game. Um, I posted about it on Twitter because there's this there's one monster who's just the goodest boy ever. He's this essentially, you know, titanic dinosaur boy who's actually a guardian and a protector. He's so good. Uh, but the game looks really interesting, and it's turn-based, obviously, and all that stuff. Um, it, it it looks neat. Like anyone wow, so who wants to, have you played it or you just look at it? I have ha- I have not had the chance to play it yet. Ah. Um, but I definitely want to. So that's the problem with me with buying um, board games and tabletop games. I had a group that in when I lived in California that I would play with on a pretty regular basis, but I've not been able to find a good group of furs here in, in Kentucky to do that with, and. Um, mm-hmm. There's, so it's like I got all these games and nobody to play them I'm, with. I'm so sorry. I wish. Well, I'm in, a, I'm in a similar boat. I moved too, and we right before we moved, we bought a game that was. Uh, it's a board game, Mice and Mystics, and it looks like it's basic. You're mice, but it looks like everything that you're you're fighting against is everything a mouse would fight against. So it's fantasy themed, but it's like the big dragon creature is actually a cat and stuff. And I I could see. I could see uh, Micros liking that. Of course, I, I think Mouse Guard came out with an RPG, that that comic too, which was mm-hmm. a similar idea. Yeah. So in a Mice of Mystics, you said that the, like a cat would be a dragon. What other kind of example? That's awesome. Um, I love that so much. I, I, I don't actually have it in front of me, and I haven't looked in a while. It's like, <gasps> I'm at the end of my knowledge now. I have to go look it up. <laughs> Consult the sources. <laughs> no. Okay. So points, points off for Benny. That's okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sizemice Podcast, where everything big happens and the points don't matter. Yeah, basically. You see, now you've ruined that. I was going to use that as an introduction for a later episode, Uh-oh. Um, the Who's Line thing. Uh-oh. But Uh-oh. Well, we could edit that out. No, don't edit me out. You can't just, stop the cheat. That's, well, it was just, oops, I forgot to put Kenson's audio in. in you so can't the, uh, stop the cheat. Just, just put a couple minutes of Tommy Dorsey in there and cut back oh, out. Gosh. Just right where he says, no, don't cut me out. We'll no, be please. Come on, guys. So, anywho, another tabletop game uh, that involves some sort of uh, macro and micro shenanigans. Um, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Have you guys yep. played that? No. That's such a good game. Oh, my gosh. You've never played Betrayal at House That's on the so Hill? Good. Is it a board game or RPG? It's a Well, it's a board game. It's kind So, it is a house building slash exploring yep. game. Um, where there's five characters and there's two phases to the game. The, f- the first phase, everyone's kind of exploring the house, and as you go through each new doors, you draw a new room title tile uh, from uh, a stack of, of room tiles. So it's like the zombie um, game. So, well, it, it's more of it's kind of, like the idea is based around like campy B movies uh-huh. um, from like horror B it's movies. Um, and so as you like explore, you might find the uh you know the master bedroom and the master bedroom might have some sort of omen and it's going to change every game because when you when you find a certain room you might draw an item or you might draw an event Mm -hmm. um and and there's a lot of variation um but at some point once enough 
omens have been yep. revealed, um, and you make a roll, and, and the roll is, the roll, you roll less than what the number of omens that have been revealed. Um, you go into the haunt phase, which is really where the game's, I think, bread and butter it's is. It's the second phase. Um, it's where it, like, opens. It's great. Yes. Um, and there's, uh, in the main game, there's 50 different haunts, and it's all based on, like, what room you were in when the haunt was revealed and what was the omen card. Um, there's also an expansion called the Widow's Yes, Walk I want to play that so bad. Um, which adds another 50 and adds also more events, more items. Mm -hmm. um, the expansion is fantastic. I've I played the expansion, and I think it's, overall, the writing is much more ridiculous <laughs> in a fun way. Um, and they actually bring in guest writers for the haunts mm -hmm. uh, that are, some of them like are even like well-known, like or at least somewhat well-known. Like I, I was, one of them was uh, Zoe Quinn, who was a you know famous games writer. Um, as far as video games go, but there's other names that uh, that would probably be recognized that, that wrote each wrote a haunt. So it has a kind of authorship to it that the original game, I think the original game was all done by uh, like either one person or a small per, a small group. Um, but uh, but back to the main the, the idea of the haunt. You know, at that point, usually one character in the group is going to turn traitor. Yep. Um, and again, it's all kind of determined based on. Uh, certain characteristics that will change for each haunt. So you don't know who's going to be the traitor, which is why in the first phase, everyone is kind of trying to play cooperatively. Yep. And then the second phase, it becomes more competitive. You have the chance um, to be the usurper of the peace of the party. Yeah. But uh, one of my favorite haunts, there's a couple of them that involve kind of uh, uh, unusual sizes. Um, and I'm going to read just the introduction for this. So if any of you wants to avoid spoilers um, for Betrayal of House on the Hill, um, skip spoiler ahead. Spoiler like warning. Spoiler warning. Um, but it's Haunt 35, Small Change. Um, I'm just going to read this real quick. A couple of tabby cats have been prowling around the house. They look peeved but have left you alone. If cats are the scariest creatures here, you don't have much to worry about. A sound of breaking glass jerks you away from your musings. You turn to see a broken vial on the floor. Silver liquid oozes out and turns into a sparkling cloud that surrounds you. You grow queasy and dizzy for a few moments. When, you head, when your head clears, you are staring up at the chair, its seat seemingly miles above you. That makes you roughly the size of a mouse. Then you hear a sound outside your room. Meow. <laughs> and then the rest of it goes into like different mechanics. More and like, and <laughs> each of the haunt have, separate, have, have unique mechanics that um, play into the idea, whatever the, the concept mm -hmm. of it. So, you know, in that one, you, you, because you're small, you can't move as much and your attack is way yep. down. Um, and I think there's, I, I don't, I don't remember. I think there's a way to get back to your normal size. I mean, there would probably have to be, yeah. um, there needs to be one, but there needs to be one. Like, can we have another one for an expansion where like you have that whole thing, that interaction with the, 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 the goop or whatever, but then you start to like grow splode out of that, out of the house or something. I, I think, <laughs> please. I want to say, and I couldn't find it when I was looking through the, the survival, but I want to say there is one that has like a. An, an ooze that kind of like a monster blood type type scenario where it is like growing and filling up the house and so like different sections of the house become unaccessible um because of yeah like you'd have to like the the remaining players would have to escape or whatever or get crushed there's also one i'm not going to read it but there's one where um the house gets picked up in the claws of a uh of a bird the size of a 747 uh that's, there we that's go. carrying the house to feed to back into its nest to feed to its younglings Shout out to all of those big old avians out there. You I know, like the, the idea of the grow stuff, of course, you're doing it because you, you want to grow. Oh, yeah. But 
from a from a, a game engineering perspective, you could do that as kind of like the you know how the room is contracting with knives kind of deal as yes. a timed event. Yeah, is to say totally. you're you're going to outgrow the room, but it's going to crush you before you actually get out of the building. So you have a limited amount of time to fix it. Yeah, my my, uh, my thought was like, okay, so in Betrayal on House on the Hill, uh, at the House on the Hill, you um essentially when when Phase Two kicks in or the haunt kicks in, uh, it's all the other players against one or maybe one or two. Um, it's there's usually not more than one trader. Usually it's just one trader. Right. Sometimes there's not. Like Some... sometimes the trader can affect yeah. others. Yeah, and then Turn them that's towards. True. Yeah, but like my my thought was like it's a timed event. You know, you have a certain amount of rounds. To fix it, like you said, Benny, or everyone gets crushed. Like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking with it. And it would be such a cool idea. And yes, I'm trash, but <laughs> I think that would actually be a good addition to that. Uh, that's not the only time I've seen growth as a, as, as a quote, bad thing, unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I wish I could remember the name of the game. Now we're going back into my youth. We're going back into like pre D and D one. Oh boy! There was a uh, sort of a space trader sci fi game, and one of the creatures you had to avoid their their modus operandi it was a bug, but mm. it would sting you and it would like instantly hit you with growth hormone because huh. what what they did is they made creatures grow and explode. Oh yeah, okay. And then ate them. Grow, expand, uh, and so, explode. Yeah, well, I, they had stats on how fast it was. It was not pretty, you know, and it, mm-hmm. and especially if this happened inside something like a spaceship, you're, you're yeah. kind of really I think bad we talked off. about that yeah. before in, in an yeah. early episode, but space is kind of the worst place to have a sudden growth explosion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, oh, we, yeah. we had that talk about, uh, like, if a, a, if a mega-class event were to happen on, like, the Starship Enterprise or something, how awful that would be. Benny, was this a uh, this was a pen, a pen and paper game? Yeah, I, I, for the life, I'll have to go back and I actually have to ask my brother, who's older than me, because uh, it was his game. But you, you're talking, I would have played that in 1980. You know, That's not too bad. Not not too bad, but it's like there was no D and D second edition yet. There was just D and D and advanced D and D. True. You know, uh, so like thinking about. Uh, Size shifting and growing and shrinking, etc., in tabletop games. Um, As you always do. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, well, at least in tabletop games, okay. So we all like to think about the pleasure that would come with size shifting, you know, what, no matter what side of the, uh, no matter what your perspective is, rather. But when, it, when you put it into a tabletop game, it flips the script because a tabletop game is designed to create tension. It's designed to create a story or something, doesn't matter how long or short. And in order to create a story or like a plot, you have to have a problem. So more often than not, the uh, tabletop element of growing and shrinking is always bad. Usually always bad. I mean, there's buffs, true. Like in D&D, there's the enlarge or reduce spell. But Oh, there's more than that. Typically it's like a bad thing. Oh, yeah. But typically it's a bad thing. So. Well, we'll get back to D anD D, but actually, I know what you're talking about. I, I had a friend; they were playing a uh, a White Wolf campaign, and one of his uh, he was running it, but one of his characters was playing a, a Garal, a werebear. They're already big, mm-hmm. and he had taken the bonus of huge size, which is basically uh-huh. a two X effect. Which means when he transforms, you're talking thirty foot. Go on. And, and the scenario was the you need to get into the guard tower and everything and kind of go get the stuff mm-hmm. your buddy's been kidnapped by the secret organization. And he basically so it, was a, it was like a stealth scenario. It was a stealth scenario. He stealth is optional for this mission. Walked in the front door, <laughs> climbed up on the guard tower, and just started to jump up and down on it to break it down. 
And the DM is like, look, I had this whole scenario built. and I know. And you just turned it into a game of Rampage. I, I don't think we can <laughs> finish this out. We need to we need to recalibrate here. Retcon, please. That's, no, that's, that's as, a, as, a, as a DM, you have to be able to anticipate every potential. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. And the, that the guy that did that, gonna... yeah, I would have handled it completely different because... Every time your players surprise you, you go with it because oh, that's yeah, where the totally. fun is. So uh, as, a, as a Dungeon Master myself, um, my party has done that to me way more times than I can count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anytime that happens, like if that were to happen to me, I would find a way to make that work. Not just because I feel obligated to and I want to make the story interesting and compelling. But if you're going to throw a rampage scene into my game that I didn't do myself, we're doing it. Okay, yeah. we're well, doing and, it. And the D and D combo that you want is uh, there's enlarge and there's there's a couple things where you appear larger, but there is an yeah. actual growth spell, but it's temporary. But at eighth level, there's a spell called permanence. Yeah, that makes the spell's effect this, permanent. And I swear is this to God, point five or is it, this? I, I'm speaking second ed or older. Second edition. Okay. Uh, which because I'm terribly old and I like things like Thaco and lots of dice. Um. Mm-hmm. But I remember the description on the spell was something like, you need to get approval from your DM before you use this. Is it like submitting a request to your manager? <laughs> Probably. It's like how most DMs are pretty cool. They'll be like, okay, I'll let you do this, but not with these effects. Uh, but think about it. If you're playing a cleric, which can do the spells, and you've earned up the levels, and you had a familiar of whatever animal, I'm assuming that Kenson would have a cheetah and you would have a red panda quadrant. Absolutely. You could apply growth and permanence to it. Okay, so... You could have a red panda to ride around instead of a horse. Yes, absolutely. So in 2nd edition, uh, I know 1st and 2nd edition, things could get a lot more wild, like especially with 3.5, because the the game was... uh, 3.5 had been around for a while, but it was still kind of rounding out when it comes to things that were like really broken versus others. Um... That now in 5th in edition, something like that would be called Epic Magic, which Epic Magic is 10th uh, level and above, which does exist. Typically, it's not accessible to player characters, but in my campaign, well, it might happen because I love that kind of stuff. But yeah, like a permanent spell, if you want to cast something on someone and have it just happen indefinitely, that'd be like 10th or 11th level spell. So it's possible. You know, you're, you're talking about your player characters on balancing the campaign. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the role-playing game, basically had physical size alteration built into how the characters were built. Oh, thank God. It was like you were given certain amounts of bio-e and background, and you had latitude Mm -hmm. on what you did with it. So you could make the character super big, but you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have money to spend on other stuff. Right, And you could have other points. You know? Well, I think that's, thing with, uh, that kind of brings no. to one of the big ideas of um, mechanics within RPG games and other types of tabletop games is what is the cost of size shifting? Because if it's just a pure benefit, then it kind of breaks the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like almost in a way that you were talking about with the uh, scenario with the, the guy going and crushing the, the tower, Benny. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it, it, and, and that's things we've kind of discussed in the past as far as, like, macros taking up more resources and requiring more power. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what other kinds of drawbacks do you think would there be for, for a, uh, in a game mechanics terms, for a size-shifting like, character? Like, depending on the size that the player character got to, 
uh, if it was irreversible, you could apply logic and say that, let's say they grow to just a, a, a modest 50 feet tall. Okay. <laughs> so you're, you're bigger than most adult dragons. Uh, actually, no, you are bigger than adult dragons at that point. Like you'd be ancient dragon size or larger. Um, if you were permanently stuck there, you would kind of have to retire the character. Because the amount of food and water and things that you would have to intake to keep yourself alive, the fact that you would basically lose all stealth forever, um, you would never be able to join the party into dungeons, you would never be able to do anything like that. That's kind of like a, uh, you know, player oh, yeah. kill, but not. Oh yeah, you, you could, as a DM, you could you can be malicious compliance as much yeah. as you want. Well, and you can the work bigger the character that, is, but... the less society is going to like them. Yeah. Uh, the more damage they've done, the less society is going to like them. Do are they going to have to eat all the food in the fields while the farmers right. are going to hate them? You know, you can really tilt that as far as you want. At the same time, it, it is a power shift. You know. Oh yeah, totally. Like you could become the bastion for an entire kingdom. You could be the war machine for an entire kingdom. Also, so it's like depends on how you want to spin it. Or you could just grow ravenous and eat the rest of your party members. That too. Or you could uh, not stop growing and then the encounter becomes trying to climb up your party member <laughs> to remove the, um, the soul gem that is shoved into their chest or something that's causing the growth. I don't know. That's a definite thing. You know, the... Yeah, yeah. But it's like, so... Okay, in, in my campaign... Um, Hikari actually um, stumbled upon a, a a baby dragon, essentially. She found an egg, and I rolled for it, and it was a dragon. Like, ha-ha. Um, we've worked it into her character's backstory that every time, because she's a sorceress, as a 5th edition sorceress, and she took wild magic. So anytime wild magic goes off, Aurum, who is her dragon, actually uh, grows up like rapidly like he actually ages rapidly similar to Sephira in Aragon yeah um so each time wild magic goes off um he gets older like within seconds and right now he's currently about the size of a a horse like a little bigger than a horse but he started off fitting in the palm of her hand so at some point Aurum is going to get to be the size of an adult dragon and then potentially maybe even an ancient dragon and then so problems are going to arise with that and i think that's really really neat as a dungeon master because we'll see what happens with it boy it's almost like a spawn like plot where you have power but if you use it you're limiting your time before it becomes untenable yep absolutely so it's a power spike because she has a dragon companion but you know i'm not wanting to like totally negate the fact that she has a dragon but at some point things could get in the way usually most ever, likely Aram though because he's gonna be huge has that ever caused conflicts with other player characters in the in the game scenario uh, it's not actually uh, everyone loves Aram and everyone loves that fact and and they know that it's for Hikari's background character um oh your party is too a... nice if I was in a party at that <laughs> I would very quickly be I don't like that dragon yeah we're all we're all close we're all extremely good friends and I do like I mentioned that I, I want to run a higher-powered campaign. Not, like, super high power, but I want them to have access to things that maybe they normally wouldn't have access to because I love homebrew so much, and I take it upon myself to balance things. So. Yeah. 
Well, That's just kind of how I am. Even in games where it's balanced, like I, I referred to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you could tell there were people that wanted to change it. I mean, like oh, yeah. the very first edition of the book in the back had a scenario it was called, it's making fun of the Care Bears, it was called the Terror Bears. Oh my gosh, I love it. And the way they had the cute teddy bears that had powers is, you know, Mr. Evil Scientist had developed a way to generate fake bio-E. And he had mm. a device to do this. And he was powering up these characters in his experiment. But already, from you know, this is the first book. They're talking about, here's how you get things to be much, much bigger. Oh, you I know, that. they're, they're talking that so about that adult size, it would be this big and stuff. And Gary Gygax, hire these people to write <laughs> 5e, please. I mean, even later, there was, uh, of course, they had supplements and stuff with dinosaurs and everything else, and that was all fun. Mm -hmm. But there was one supplement called Transdimensional Turtles, which was a time-shifting <laughs> supplement. And yeah. one of the things they were making this theory of is you could only jump forward and back in time for certain reasons. But they were sort of saying that the way time moved, it got weaker or less pressure over time. And it's this big thing mm -hmm. you read about, but what it effectively like means... If you move stuff to the future, like you take steel, you know, I have a gun, and you move it to the future, it becomes much stronger. It's it's oh. much more harder to damage and other things. And you're like... That's a really cool concept. Or if you take something futuristic back in time, it would eventually dissolve away. But then mm. they put this little side note that is, and this affects living creatures too. And so, like, you take X damage if you stay back in time too long. But if you move into the future, this starts to happen. And if you don't find an outlet for the bio-E, you start to grow. And I'm oh, like, I love it. I'm like, oh, gee, I know what the motivation of this design was. Why would I ever <laughs> leave the future? Why would yeah. I never stop going into the future? Yeah, I don't they understand these things that are supposed to take you down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't understand these things that are supposed to harm me, but they don't harm me very much. And, and everything's small. That's such a cool concept because that's the whole idea of the universe with entropy, how after the, the Big Bang Theory, etc., that the universe is just constantly expanding. Eventually, all the energy is just going to run out because it's not coming back. Like, it's just further expanding, which is super cool that they turn that into a mechanic somehow. And also, it, it, it just basically says that back in the time of the, the dinosaurs or further in the past... Um, everything was so much more powerful and stronger. So it was more like a primordial ancient earth or whatever that was so really just so overpowered but didn't have technology. And the balance to that is now we have technology, but that strength, that energy has gone away. That's really cool, actually. Also, I might it, steal that. It also added an element of uh, trans-dimensional, you know, time-dimensional drama. Like, if you go back in time to go look at the dinosaurs and go, oh, hey, that's cute, they're dinosaurs, and you come back into time now, if you accidentally bring a moth with you... Oh, yeah. Yep, the Sound of Thunder. As yeah, you're, 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 you're going to eventually have a, a kaiju event. It's like, oh, you mm -hmm. got to be really careful what you do and where you That's how things. Mothra started! Dun-dun-dun! It all makes sense now! <laughs> Just for the uh, proof that all nerdisms are interconnected. So oh, let's take a look, at, uh, take a, uh, a thought into um, less on the big side and more on the small side. Yes. In a tabletop environment, um, what kind of mechanics do you think would be able to benefit or, uh, I guess, uh, you know, can, uh, cause problems for smaller characters? Well, de definitely, uh, you know, it's in D&D, &D, the halfling classes and stuff tended towards thieves. 
Oh, yeah. Because uh, you totally. could easily get in and out of spaces. I mean, you could take that to the extreme with Ant-Man. Like, you could look under the door to see what's in the room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also, like, um, when, it, when it comes to shrinking, uh, you could take up the same space as a character, which would be very broken because you could essentially ride on their shoulder. And then, um, technically, if you wanted to avoid combat altogether, you could just hop into the pocket of a player character and as soon as danger happened or whatever you could use a reaction to jump out or something avoid damage like essentially you could just slip through the cracks of encounters in combat but at the same time there's also a potential to get crushed and stepped on and so you'd be stuff. less likely to be detected but if you are detected it's kind of your sol yep. oh yeah but like on the flip side, you never go hungry because you're not going to run out of supplies. You know, a loaf of yep. bread lasts you a month. You true. Just don't drown in a pint of beer, huh? <laughs> yeah, you would actually float in a pint of beer. <laughs> That'd be really interesting. Like, really, like the, is the, the gravity barbarian... of beer higher than water? You you can't get down in it. I think beer has more density than water because of science the, the must be done. Mind. I think it is. Don't quote me, but if if you could float in a in a pint of ale, and the barbarian of the party or you know whoever goes to take a swig and oh no you're gonna be swallowed roll for initiative <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. well you know there are certain beers where you can float the the cap on top of the foam they might not be able to get to the foam yeah well, like metal like if it's like a, a beer bottle cap or whatever that's metal so it's dense i don't know how it works i don't know um also <sighs> magic items it really would depend on if they shrunk with you because if you shrunk and your items didn't go with you, well, <laughs> there go your items. Because you would just you literally can... leave them all. Well, I mean, if you could find a way to like control them while touching, even though even if it's like something that's eight times your size, as long as you have a finger on it, you can still control well, it. So the fix for that would be to wear like all magical armor, like anything that's magic grows and shrinks with you up to a certain point, depending on the dungeon master, etc. Um, I prefer to have the Dragon Ball Z mentality where, like, the Saiyan armor expands to, like, enormous sizes if they go into their giant monkey form. But if it's magic armor, it'll grow and shrink with the with the person. Um, anything mundane won't. So That's it, interesting. There's thought. a lot that think, could happen. I don't think I've ever done with magic items do they shift size with the person. Yeah. Have, um, uh, e have either of you ever played, um, what is it, is Iron Claw is the one that has... It's like a tabletop game that's more furry-centric, I guess. Yeah, the entire Claw series. I've played the, the Jade Claw variant because it had I have not, and, and I'm so sad I have not. I, I, I've never touched it, but do do they have... Uh, I, I thought I heard someone say that they had uh, mechanics for creatures of larger sizes there, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you had size bonuses and changes, and you, could, you had some latitude when you created the character on how big they mm -hmm. were. Uh, but not how like macro latitude, level. Though? Uh, I, I'm remembering from just the one time I did a playthrough, uh, but you know, you can come up with a panda character and have them rather sizable, uh, mm -hmm. which which also means if you're firing arrows, you you, you can uh, you're now basically what do you call it? Uh, 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 what's the name for the uh, artillery arrows? Uh, just ballista. You, yeah, you're you're now basically firing ballista. Oh my by gosh, hand. you're shooting ballistas, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like great bows and stuff. So, like, yeah. um, there's also another game um, by, I think it's White Wolf Gaming. I'm probably butchering that. But the Werewolf series and the uh, Vampire Masquerade. 
Um, I've played Werewolf. Super fun. Uh, it uses a D10 dice system, which is really, really different, but it, really fun. Arguably more balanced than D&D. I said it. D&D is, is a bit crazy when it comes to its mechanics and dice, but I love it for that reason. Um, but Werewolf, you can choose to have the uh, large size benefit. And when you're making your character at the beginning, everything has a point by system like you, you mentioned earlier, Benny. Uh, when you take certain benefits, you have to have flaws to balance them. And I think it's seven points on both sides. Like you have to... Yeah, have a I know you, you would immediately use. go for huge size and always Kranos. I know Well. You. I actually did, yeah, and Krenos, because I, I made a character named Vincent Valenine, and he was seven foot six starting. His Krenos form was, I think it goes up by two and a half feet, so he was like breaking ten feet tall, I think. And it was such a good game. <laughs> like, there were things I could do and things I couldn't do, and I totally lived with it. It was fun. It's but like, he was also it, a uh, he was a he was a marksman. Like he had dual. Uh, he could fight. He could use dual double eagle pistols, like fifty cal pistols, because he was so strong. So, it was great. It's like it's like uh, the door is locked. What do you do? I open the wall. What? I put my hand into the brick, grab uh-huh. it, and open the wall. I uh. actually, I actually did that. There was one point when we were trapped in this. Um, we were in a graveyard, going through trying to find uh, traces of the worm. We ended up getting trapped in this catacombs. And to bust us out, I literally punched through the wall. I had like a, um, I had eleven or twelve strength dice to roll, and I I got like eight successes, and so I just bust the wall down, just punched it down in Krenos form. It was so cool. So you were a fuzzy uh, Kool Aid man, essentially. <laughs> oh, yeah. like just punch straight through it. Shh! You are not silent. You are not subtle. I'm not. Right. I'm really not. Well, I, I think that we've kind of covered a lot of uh, game tabletop areas with the uh, characters of different sides. Is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we moved on to listener correspondence? So, oh my, oh my God, we've almost put in an hour. Holy crap. Yeah, it's a good topic, guys. Real good topic. I hope that uh, We hope that you have enjoyed listening to it as well because we are enthusiastic about this, as are you. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, there thing... is one thing I'd like to cover. Go ahead. Okay. So, Go like... Ahead, uh, over at uh, a place near here, it's, it's an ice cream parlor. Who cares? They have board games. And I live in a rural area, so they have Farmopoly. Plenty of land and, to stomp. And the, the, the Farmopoly, instead of saying passing go, it says grow. Ha. And so, uh, and so ha. that got me thinking is how would you make a, a sizeopoly game where instead of money, it was height and you know make it a race to a mm-hmm. certain point oh you could literally turn it into macro poker like we played at mff in like 20 but i mean that that makes it a different game then then you're not i mean the whole idea of the opoly series is obtaining property and trying to you know well you get... literally take the property and collect it with your big meat hunks <laughs> well and you've got to come up with all those names that you know instead of the, well you could leave the railroads but instead of the you know park avenue or it's paul place or something like that yeah, I love it. I mean, there would be a way, and I kind of want to figure it out now, because that's a really good idea. Because, like, every time you pass Grow, you collect 200 feet. <laughs> Something, 200 centimeters, probably. But then you would have insane. to be spending your feet to get to well, get yeah. uh, the property? Well, you're paying that size to other players. So if you have the damage they've done, they've got to pay you back. 
Yeah, because if they own something that you want, you would literally have to give them size power to get it or something. Yeah, I don't know. There's mono- a way to do it, I'm sure. Monopoly as a game takes forever, so I would put a I would put yeah. a, a, a height limit of the first person to get here wins. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, and speaking of other board games, now this is going to really show my age. Uh, there was an Incredible Hulk game. Do you ever remember that? I think I've heard of it. So the, the design of the game was you had four players that were all ostensibly building the scientific lab to help <laughs> help cure the Hulk. And what you were mm-hmm. is you were putting up on this board little barriers, and then every mm-hmm. once in a while Hulk would Hulk out if you drew the wrong card. And they had this, like, wind-up Hulk that you put in the middle that oh, would, like, awesome. scoot around the board and hopefully not damage your lab. Was it, was it like tabletop, the electric football, where you go, and just kind of go randomly all over the place? No, oh, that's it, so cool. It was kind of like a wind-up thing on a board game board. But, yeah, that, that idea was a little bit more violent. And I was that's thinking, so cool. boy, you could translate that into micros versus macro kind of deal. Oh, gosh, yeah. You totally. Know? That's so cool. I love that concept. Well, you know, shoot, we should come up with a board game and try and put one together. I, mean, I would love to. You can get I love that stuff games. printed. I love making games, like seriously. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention real fast, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, uh, which kind of led us to talking about this maybe. Um, I am going to shout out Noms again for coming up with this concept. That I we're am, not in that uh, section yet. What? Well, no, we're no, no, the, I know. We're not like, the shout out. The spotlight this is section. this isn't for that. This is this is. Oh, you're just crediting separate. the fact that this idea came up from them. Yeah. So Noms shared with me an idea in D and D to make a macromancer, and it's basically the concept where uh, a wizard or mage or whatever you want to call it has the ability to change the size of things around them. Uh, starting first with mu- with mundane objects, you know, you can throw a pebble at an enemy, so, uh, grow it up, and then it turns into a boulder when it smashes into the enemy, doing X damage for the size. Um, and then you can alternatively take something that's coming at you, like a sword, and shrink it down to the size of, like, maybe an inch, so it misses you as a reaction. So size um, bending? Size bending, yeah. And then, like, because, like, Ant-Man-style combat... And then eventually, when you get powerful enough, like level 11, 12, 13 or higher, you can do that to people and living things. And the idea is fantastic, and I'm shamelessly stealing it, but also plugging you for that, Noms. Someday, I will make the mechanics for that class, and it, it will be a thing. It would be really interesting if you had to force balance on it. Like Absolutely. If you, you steal you size to. out of this many items, you must get rid of it somehow or vice versa. Absolutely. Like, that was my thought with it, because that ki- that type of power could get broken extremely fast. So I will be finding ways to balance it. But that was one of my thoughts. Yeah. Okay, anything. and on that note, was there anything else before we move on? I am satisfied. No, nope, right. I think we can go to the spotlights now. Well, no. Yes. We, uh, what? What are we moving on to? Listener correspondence. Email. Oh, we have letters. We have we one. We didn't get a lot this week, um, but... We did get a... Dude, after insulting not, all those dragons, we only got one email? It's not from a dragon. Um, huh. it, it was a, it actually not even an email. It's a direct message on Twitter, which I guess it still counts. But it's from at NoWingsBat on Twitter, uh, which is an alt account for, I think, Chiros. Um, but the message says, 
it kind of touches on both topics that we were uh, asking about. My gnome wizard uses reduce on herself a lot as a battle tactic. Enlarge slash reduce in 5e is sadly a bit limited as you can only shift one size class up or down, from medium to small or from medium to large, for example. As a gnome, however, my character will become tiny uh, when she uses reduce on herself, and in that state, my DM allow me, allows me to let her ride around on the back of her bat familiar. Because spellcasting isn't affected when you reduce yourself, that turns her into what is almost a little bomber plane. Um, also to comment on the topic of the last episode, I was very surprised that I didn't hear much about Zootopia. That movie gives me a, gave me a ton of macro-micro feels while watching. Glad to see you guys have returned, by the way. Stay awesome, heart. That is a brilliant, brilliant technique. Yeah, I'm, I, and I do like the idea of uh, using animals as transportation of being so small. I mean, that kind of gets into like a... Uh, rescuers scenario where like they're riding on the back of an albatross. Well, yeah, just I hadn't thought of just shrinking yourself down temporarily to hide. I'm always thinking about permanent macros or permanent micros, and that's really awesome because that means it's hard to hit you, it's hard to track you. Hey, in in D and D five e, do they still have cantrips? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, D and D fifth edition definitely has cantrips. Because some of those are pretty scary. Like if you use sneeze on someone in the middle of casting a spell or firing <laughs> an arrow, and there's no savings yep. throw. If you're on the back of a bat just flapping around, you can just – there's no recharge on those. You can just be a chaos element for the far side. That would be so wonderful. sneeze has been removed. Ah! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I see what you mean though, totally. Because you could just like snap your fingers or cast the somatics or verbal or material components to just inflict people with – allergetic damage oh there's all kinds of fun stuff like in early in D&D back when they had demons there were Mm -hmm. some demons like if you said their name it was a 1 in 40 chance you'd get hit by a bolt of lightning but you had a cantrip to throw your voice so you'd throw mm -hmm. a rock over at the enemies and you'd cast throw voice on it you'd say (laughs) the demon name until the lightning bolt hits them that's awesome Oh my gosh, because like, yeah, demons or devils as they are in 5e are totally a thing. Uh, That mechanic, to my knowledge, is not, but that's hilarious. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, give people enough time, they figure fun stuff out. Oh yeah, for sure. Like one of them, one of my favorite concepts, and this is totally something that exists in 5e, there is no counter to it because it's just the way the game is, is played. Dungeon Masters, good Dungeon Masters, won't allow it or find some way to um, to break it. But it's called the Peasant Railgun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because a, it's tossing something to an ally that's within five feet of you is considered a free action, which doesn't take an action or a bonus action in combat. What you do is you hire a thousand peasants to follow you everywhere you go. Stand you in a line. T- you, they all stand to the line, and you pass along a, a a metal rod or something. And the idea is that since it all has to fit within six seconds, the projectile goes infinitely fast, infinitely faster as it's being passed along. And by the time it releases from the last peasant's hands, it's a speeding bullet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's essentially a rail gun, and the impact should be just below, you know, dynamite. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why a DM would want to prevent that from happening. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's Uh, like, but it's it's hilarious. It's like the whole joke about uh, Rita Repulsa's staff uh, coming from the moon Mm -hmm. at that speed from the moon. It takes three seconds to get to the Earth. Never mind what it grows; the impact would be like beyond nuclear. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. 
as we um, kill the dinosaurs. So I have a, I have a little anecdote uh, before we continue real fast, just because it reminded me. One of my characters, he's my good buddy, Ranzu, one of my best friends. He plays a character named Rowan McCoy. Uh, he's a demon hunter bard. It's it's complicated. I don't have to go into it. I'll explain it later if you want to know. But he essentially has this knack for uh, crafting grenades because he's a, he's a gunslinger bard, which is a cool concept, essentially. Demon hunter, gunslinger. And so he, he'll make grenades every long rest and he'll amass a certain amount but two times now for the fight with the knucklevy which was his at the end of his arc his big baddie and then at the end of um another character's arc still ice the they essentially were fighting this this uh imperfect avatar of a god and he did it in this fight too he'll take his pack not not a bag of holding just his regular pack that has like 40 grenades in it he will light one Put it in his pack and chuck it at the beastie, dealing absurd amounts of damage. And I have uh, put my massive paw down on that now, and he's no longer allowed to do that. Now, it goes out in a blaze of glory, and it's a really cool ending to the encounters, don't get me wrong, but twice is enough. <laughs> so, oh, no. no you Because he, he, he dealt like, uh, I, I was just trying to uh, come up with uh, a mechanic on the fly because one fragmentation grenade I think does 3d6 damage 3d6 it's like 3d6 force damage and 3d6 piercing damage or something stupid like that right so I had to calculate that for 40 grenades so I found a quick simple system and it did like 430 damage and yeah but it was hilarious. Don't get me wrong, but never again. Oh, I, I wouldn't limit him. I'd let him do it. But the next go around, the big baddie, it would be mm -hmm. a nilbog with an illusion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, do you know what a nilbog is? Yes. Yeah, you kill it with a Absolutely. healing potion. If you actually dealt 400 points to damage, well, now you've it. got to deal 400 more points of healing to fix that situation. Which is a fantastic idea. And I don't know. I might, I might think about that because I've thought about I ways to balance that. But uh I also, I also love that. What, what was the guy's name? Uh, his name's Rowan. Ah, it's it's so wonderful. I, I'm at that stage in D and D where you know your early characters, you have all these wonderful backgrounds and everything. I'm at that stage like, what's your character? Oh, mine is Thag the Fighter. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, I rolled him up. Uh, the DM said I could reroll the three, but I just put it on intelligence and I play him that way. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, it it makes. Actually, I did have a Thag the Fighter, and he did fail his intelligence roll of three. He did it. take out that orc chieftain. He just didn't recognize they were at the bottom of the cliff. So oh he went gosh. charging right at him and, and hit him um, mm -hmm. from 70 foot above. Uh, and, and he did take him out, but that was the end of Thag. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's oh, the difference between man. having uh, playing for fun and playing to win. Um, if you if you play for fun, you're much more likely to have enjoyable scenarios like that. Oh yeah, and that's that's why I do Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I'm not in it for all the the intricate little details and making things be <laughs> realistic and things. It's a game. It's meant to be absurd. Yeah, it has balance and logic, but the point is, you're sitting down at a table with really good friends and you're going on an adventure together. It doesn't have to make sense all the time. Yeah, it's you know, wonderful. And Eventually, it ends up like a demented version of Scooby-Doo and the DM looking over and you're looking at them mm -hmm. like you named the NPC Nacho. Nacho <laughs> yeah. the Elf. Really? Uh -huh. 
What? It's it's actually it's gnomish. It means small. <laughs> small for a gnome, nacho. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, oh god. Uh, well, snack. let's get the ha- let's get the halfling snack. mountain dew and get out of here. Oh my um, god. <laughs> uh oh, you broke Kenson. He's he's got he like that that gnome also or the halfling rather has a um he's a barbarian who's actually uh from the mountain. <laughs> See, now anyway. I have to come up with an entire game where all of the people are named after modern foods for some ridiculous oh reason. Yes, please. And they're all, they're all <laughs> micros because they're snacks. Oh. It's beautiful. Oh, our nature so, center, I swear to God, near us, they had a thing that was like, squirrels and chipmunks, nature's snack food. And I'm like, oh, I have to go watch this, don't I? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm prolonging the broadcast. No, no, it's no. Fine. It's fine. Um, did we want to talk about at all about Zootopia since uh, Churios brought up that? And we somehow forgot about Zootopia, like the biggest thing in the furry fandom in the past oh, yeah. ten years. Oh, you're uh, talking about uh, you're talking about um, Redentia? Like, the microland with all the mice, yeah, yeah, Redentia. yeah. Super good. I love that scene so. Much. And I love how they made an entire book dedicated toward like a children's book. Wait, wait dedicated. What? Did you not they see did? it? That, that I saw that before the movie came out, where it was oh, like the cover is really, really I think it's called good. Big Trouble in Little Redentia. Oh god, yeah. no, um, that's the sound of me losing money. I got to go look for that now. And I mean, it's, it's a kid's also, book. Uh, doesn't Nick actually go through it into you at that point? I didn't or, read the book. I, I didn't end up yeah. buying it. But I, I seem to remember when I saw the film, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, they had more of Rodentia in the promos that didn't show up in the film. Or maybe I'm off or something. Maybe. I don't know if I ever saw a trailer for that movie. I would have to ask uh, Joaquin Baldwin. Shout out. Uh, oh, Oh, that's right. He's yeah. one of the animators. He's so cool. Yeah, I met him. Uh, he gave me ah, four of the uh, Disney Animation Studios. Oh, I wanna, lucky. Uh, I want to take that lad out for coffee or something sometime. He's, He's a very such nice a cool guy. guy. Mm-hmm. Wow. The, the other right. thing that bothered me about Rodentio was the fact that the building's kind of like tilted and straightened as a whole unit. Yeah. Well, otherwise they wouldn't fall down like dominoes. Yeah, I know. It, it, it is the comedy, and you could say, well, I mean, they're using larger construction materials, and it's but, but yeah. still... Yeah, not to mention they're they're made out of the same materials that we'd use to build actual buildings, but they're significantly smaller. So yeah. I, I was kind of hoping for that. You know, you have the big comical event of where she saves everyone and all that. Nothing's been destroyed, and then she trips into it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, as you do. That would that would that would probably get her fired though from the. Forest. Well, yeah, the next scene would be her getting yelled at from the boss because the mayor is there on his table. The mayor of Rodentia. Yep. <laughs> So I would like to uh, host a tabletop game where Rodentia is the setting, or just Zootopia as a whole. Because I mean, there's there's Zootopia other sides. It's not yeah. just it's not just Rodentia. I mean, even the other characters, like you know, the elephants are you know three or four times the size of mm-hmm. Nick. Well, and, and there's Benic. the the whole macro Godfather wedding party going on. Mm-hmm. You come to me, which I guess that, I mean that's that's kind of part of Rodentia because I think they were. I assume that was in Prudentia, wasn't it? But I, I got to hand points to him. The whole idea of all the guards and the chefs and stuff just kind of standing at attention around the table where they're partying. Mm-hmm. You know, because of course the micros fantastic. would hire macros for protection and stuff. It's like, oh, oh totally. that makes total sense. Now now I'm just thinking about uh, the size stacking possibilities with, uh, you know, rampaging through Zootopia. Because Prudentia would be uh, extremely tiny. <laughs> Compared to, say, one of us rampaging through Zootopia, or uh, rather, yeah, Zootopia. That's the name of the city. I'm smart. Oh, you mean like if an actual me- mega um, yeah. came upon and then yeah, like if if, just if tearing if one, that on top. 
Yeah, if one of us were to go and just, like, stomp through Zootopia, be like, monster stuff, and then Rodentia's just like, Welp! We're not even the size of one of your beans! I mean, they may just get spared by the fact of, like, being in between the, the toes. That's that's actually a really cool shot. I have a really cool image in my head of, uh, like, one of us stomping through Zootopia and crushing down onto several city blocks, and between the two middle toes is Rodentia. Just totally fine and spared. I mean, jostled, obviously, but that'd be... I mean, that's a big enough size difference that Rodentia could exist on you, and you might not know. You know, it's like (laughs) you have helper species out in the wild. Man, people already do live on me, okay? We're worse than fleas, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Don't be mean towards your your residents. I love them. They pay me rent. It's great. (laughs) But, you know, they gotta keep to themselves. Then you have you have responsibilities as their landlord. Yes, don't gotta, roll over. Okay, you gotta well, keep yourself tidy. So, I, I do keep myself tidy, but they also uh, are under the clear written contract that they are also sacrifices. Should I require their services? I don't think you can put that in the contract. <laughs> it's too late. Legal Dude. binding. Dude, yeah, you so. can't put illegal things in a contract. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't encode murder in a contract. That's not allowed. Well, I'm the property. I'm the land. I'm the government. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, you're an independent civic entity as you walk around? I'm the size of a continent. (laughs) Just makes sense. You know, Uh, Topic for another time. There is actual prior legal law to that. There are two recognized civic entities that do not, are not assigned a property. Kensin and... No, no, I'm talking about, I'm trying to remember, there's a, there's a religious order that's recognized oh. by, it's recognized by the United Nations, but where they are, they're technically renting from Italy. Okay. It's like they're a sovereign nation, but they don't have property. Hmm. Anyway, sorry. So, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> We're not making a separate tangent podcast again, that was too much work. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, yeah. So anyway. Um, um, but I guess that means that we need to move on to our artist spotlight. Absolutely. Emphasis on spot. I'm not biased. And I will give the first spotlight to Benny. Oh, okay. Go, Benny, go. So I, I want to spotlight uh, Reddy Gog. I think that's how you pronounce it. On Twitter, R-E-D-H-Y-G-O-G. On mm-hmm. Fur Affinity, it's R-Y-O-K-U-7, the number seven. A uh, person that I, you've seen the artwork around for a little bit uh, tends to do more of the really, really big, really muscular stuff, nice. but also wonderful macro stuff, and they're just getting more visibility. And I got to meet them uh, up at uh, Motor City Furcon, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, awesome. And so I just uh, more folks should have a look at that and see that artwork and have fun with that. Absolutely. I am in full agreement. All right, then, and let's go to Kinson. So my shout-out is someone who I actually found uh, probably a few months ago by the name of Silver Scarf. Their stuff is extremely well done. They have this style that is... um, It's it's cartoon, but more... I don't know. It's it's more fleshed out. It's not like like what you'd expect from typical tune, um, but... Their um, use of perspective, their line work, their coloring, shading, and the ideas uh, around 
um, growth and and big versus small are just so masterfully done. Um, not to mention they do a lot of like a lot of their lines are like round curved. So if you like that appeal where it's like soft big boys or soft big girls like macros who are like more on the soft side, Silver Scarf is definitely an artist that you should uh, give your watch. So. And they are Silver Scarf on FA, and I believe they are the same on Twitter. So, how about Sweet. you, Juan? How about me? Well, I have to do one too. Yes. Yes. Well, I have not been following, paying attention a lot to art and writing lately. I wanted to do a writer, but I, I haven't. Shame. I haven't. Uh, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get a writer for next time, but for this time, I'm gonna fall back on an old favorite who. I don't know, may have been spotlighted previously. Um, I, I My memory is foggy, but... Uh, We're all Sparky going the to Chew. flame you if it's... Sparky the Chew, Sparky Giant, at Sparky Giant Pika on... Uh, I love Sparky. Twitter, and I think Sparky the Chew on FA. Sparky underscore the underscore Chew on FA. Yep. Um, although I guess in the URLs, the underscores don't show up. Anywho. It's weird. Um, they are a, a good, uh, they're a good artist. No, they, they have a great sense of, of cartoony giant that style. Um, really, really awesome sense of perspective. Um, I've, I've been, you know, they're also really uh, are able to illustrate growth in a way that not many, you know, I think perspective is something that a lot of artists can, can do, or, or you know, not a lot, but, but many artists can do. Um, but actual growth is something that is, also, is a, a little bit rarer. And uh, Sparky does a lot of comics that uh, kind of illustrate that, and I think that's a uh, it's a really impressive thing. They're also someone who uh, is fairly dedicated to art and does a lot of it, so it's it's nice to oh, yeah. to see someone who can output uh, and do it in a, have quality output and also maintain quantity as well. Ha! Huh. I see what you did there. You know, you, you guys are awesome. I, I, I recommended mine and just said, hey, he's a good artist. And then you guys go in like real detail on it. Now I feel bad. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're fine. It's well, just like as an artist, I try to, you know, see things in artists that can that I can also reflect and learn from. So oh, that's true. Well, it just makes me want to go back and add on, on my guy, uh, Ryoko7, that uh, he does kind of uh, he draws males and females both. Uh, mm-hmm. Big muscle, fairly well. Uh, does uh, kind of pinups, but uh, I forgot. He also does t- detailed tech drawing stuff. But oh, yeah, the thing absolutely. that's interesting on his characters that's kind of fun is they're all gentle characters. They're they're mm-hmm. all good natured, uh, which is really neat to see. But yeah, he does the big guys and the big girls. So, so it's it's that's actually you don't see a lot of folks doing the muscle girl stuff that much. Mm-hmm. I'm actually good friends with Ryoku, uh, Ryoku and Gravewalker. They're from Columbus. Oh. And they are sweethearts. I love him to death. Oh, well, um, shoot. I didn't know you knew him that well. Yeah, they're actually going to be at AO, uh, Anthro, Ohio, which is coming up next month. Ooh. Um, hey, you're yeah, going to yeah. be Anthro, Ohio. I'm going to be in Anthro, Ohio. Quant I'm not going to be in Anthro, Ohio. No! Why not? Don't! When is it, when is it again? Uh, it's, yeah. it's at that time you can't make it. Do, 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 do. Please hold. Uh, Anthro, Ohio. Oh, good. You're 20. looking it up. It's like 20, a couple I'm, weeks, I'm right? I'm totally not looking it up. I'm consulting my brain unit. Well, next week is Biggest Little Furcon, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Anthro Ohio is May 23rd through May 27th. So, end of May. But I yeah. want to say... Yeah, actually, I, 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 I am not... I do have something I have to do. I 
the the baseball team that I work for is no! in town, so I'm, I'm working those games. Wait, wait, okay. you, you, which baseball team is this? The Louisville Bats. Oh! Triple A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. Now, are they bats or are they bats? Both. Um, their mascot yes. is a bat, and and they swing bats. Yes, oh, absolutely. that's awesome. Arcturax, where are you at, man? I love Arc. So, like, um, I am disappointed in you, but also glad that you're going to be doing something that you love <laughs> for, yes. for Anthro Ohio. Um, but that's coming up. Anyone who's going to Anthro Ohio, um, Benny and I will be there if you want to say hi. Um, Steal yeah, them, so. put them in your pocket, take them away. Absolutely. For later. Theoretically. Sacrifice. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't steal me until after I've been on stage. I'll be playing with Fox and Peppers and whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I filed for a... Uh, Good old Foxy Peppers. Yeah, way back in when I filed and said, hey, we should do a macro meetup. And I don't think I ever heard back from their programming. So I have no idea of what is happening and whether or not I'm going to run it. You'll yeah. find out half an hour before it's supposed to start. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how smaller cons work a lot of the yeah. time. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Oh, oh, by the way, that uh, that macro panel that you wanted to do, we totally have a room set aside for you. Thanks. I have none of my equipment. I have nothing I wanted to bring. I mean, what blah, equipment blah, blah, blah. would you need? I mean, Yeah, well, it's, not, it's not like we can sit down and talk for an hour with almost no preparation about various macro subjects. We've I, I never mean, done that no, no, before. No, no. <laughs> I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about uh, harvesting the... the Various harvesting people's souls. Just yes, essentially. So just just you you, you put uh, your mouth at the uh, door at the other end of the room uh-huh. and just say, "Hey, fall, come in this way," and then people just come in and welcome like, oh, to the macro panel, everyone. Moist, what's this moist uh, pink floor? Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's Is spongy. this a cave? How did they do this, chump? These are fantastic white stalactites and st- stalagmites. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually, I think, uh, I think Tyrell actually did a drawing of that. At some point, Tyrell or Beharit, one of them. But anyway. somebody, somebody. I'm sure it was purely an academic exercise for either Tyrell or Beharit. You know, absolutely. There so was... I guess that brings us to the end of this episode of Size Matters. <gasps> um, no. Okay. Oh, we don't did. Worry, I don't meant worry. to say before. Fear not, um, good citizens. We shall return in two weeks. If you and and if you all listeners would like to comment on anything that we've discussed today. Then you can email us at size matters podcast. Po- no, size matters podcast at gmail.com. You better edit that out. Size matters podcast. You can email at us at size matters podcast at gmail.com or uh, on Twitter. Uh, size matters cast yes. is our Twitter handle. Minus the uh, so pod. You can DM or, P- or public message us there too. Um, also, if what if you want to talk about what we're talking about next week, which is what are we talking about next week? I have not a clue. Well, while he's looking <laughs> that up, if you have any gaming no, ideas that we... you've done that have worked really well, go ahead and send it to us. We'd love to hear. And yeah. also, if you have any ideas on how to make a sizeopoly or other board game you think would work, tell us. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe we'll make one and put it up for sale at one of these auctions or something. Let or us these, hear uh, it. And we'll give you your royalties. Also, if you have any ideas for uh, the what we're talking about next episode, which is macro and micro sports, dun, something dun, we've dun. kind of talked about uh, before, but we're trying to focus this time on uh, a little bit different angles, kind of how uh, maybe new sports that could uh, occur with size differenced, differently sized abled uh, peoples, and mm-hmm. uh, also uh, kind of how it would affect existing sports to any other kind of topics like that oh yeah how you how could you adapt to different sports how how could 
unbalanced sizes compete against each other. Mm-hmm. What would the Olympics look like if you had both macros and micros and stuff like that? Athletes of varying of... sizes bring much entertainment to the world of sports. And if instead of medals, they gave growth. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so but, this would it would totally, totally negate uh, using actual um, serums and stuff for performance enhancement. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you would, you would, how would people cheat too? Um, yeah. But that's all stuff we'll talk about next episode in two weeks. So, Indeed. if you have ideas, again, our email address is sizematterspodcast at gmail dot com, or you can reach out on Twitter at sizematterscast, uh, or if you find some other way, you know, if you somehow find Kinson's phone number and want to give him a call, we can do that. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea to set up a voicemail and kind of have... Yeah. Like, if you, like if you just want to go ahead, for, for, for those who are living uh, in the sovereign nation of Chinormia, uh, just <laughs> make the trek up to my ear, please, and tell me. I'll pass it along. We might do that in the future, set up a, a, a Google voicemail and have, like, if anyone wants to call in, leave a voicemail and hear themselves hey, on the yeah, episode. play it on the air and you yeah. could also set up a but text, not this week a text no. number for people to send to totally. not for this episode because i that would require work that i'm not going to do just yet um <laughs> big lazy red pandas no i'm kidding no Me no i mean i mean we're already at the end i can't do it like in the next 30 seconds before the podcast ends so <laughs> why not anywho uh so at that point i, I would like to thank both my co-host kinson and my co-host benny Woohoo! you're welcome and, Thank I'd all like of to you, thank you listeners. Thank yes. you. Like thank you, thank you. Quant. And I'd like to thank Foxes and Peppers for uh, letting us continue to use their song Bigger as the theme. Mm-hmm. You can find them on Bandcamp mm-hmm. or Spotify or Apple Music mm-hmm. or SoundCloud or CD stores near you if they still exist. Probably oh, they're not, so but... good. Just give them a listen. Yep. And until then, next, until next episode, Kenson. Good night and big pause. Bye, everyone. It's some time in the future. The ultimate challenge. Crossfire. Crossfire. You get caught up in the crossfire. Crossfire. You get caught up in the crossfire. 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 You'll get caught up in it.